Amen. Well, please join me in welcoming... Oh, you're not allowed to walk until oh. I say your name. Go back. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Please join me in welcoming Michael Hansen, everybody. Wow. Don't make it bad. What is this? Take a sad song. This, this is a hint. I wish better. I had a lighter right now, right? I wouldn't know what to do with a lighter, but I wish I had one, right? Hey, so that's a hint. That song uh, you're wondering, that's, I'm not changing my name. Uh, we are kicking off a new series, a mini series this weekend called Hey Jude. Okay. Did you, you get the, because the song is called Hey Jude? Okay. Do we need to try that again? There we go. Look at that. Woo! All you 60s people, like, is that a denim slide? Is that slide made of denim? No, it's not. It's not. But um, we're going to be, like I said, this is going to be a two-part series, uh, obviously part one today, part two next weekend. Uh, Vicky's going to be doing part two. She'll be correcting anything that I say that's, that's off base. No, but, it, but this, if you're familiar with Jude, and I know for many of you, like, if you were honest right now, you would say, I've never read the book of Jude. Uh, but if you're familiar with it, uh, this is a very short book. It is, it's the second to last book of the Bible. It's just before you get to Revelation. You come to this little book, Jude. And, and uh, it may be short, but this book is loaded with information. Uh, one of the commentaries that I looked at this week and studying up for today had this, you know, basically one page book broken down into 12 sermons. And I was like, I don't know how you do that, but uh, we're going to do it in two. And the book of Jude is an epistle, and and the word epistle means a letter. So uh, this is a letter that Jude wrote to a church. Think uh, Peter and Paul, they've written lots of epistles. Uh, We don't know who Jude was writing to. Uh, When you look at the language and the content of this little Letter, you'll see lots of, uh, he refers a lot to Old Testament stories. He quotes a few Old Testament era uh, historical writers. And based on that, I think it's a fair assumption that when uh, that Jude was writing this letter to a bunch of Jewish Christians. And we don't know when this letter was written. Uh, many would say that Jude was one of the last or later books in, uh, written in the New Testament, like late First century, and if you're familiar with uh, Peter's letters, Second Peter and Jude are like almost sections, are almost like a mirror image of each other. And so, a lot of the commentaries I read, they said, you know, they figure that Peter wrote his letter first, and then years later, Jude wrote his letter. And because of what because of what he was addressing in the letter, Jude's letter, he was drawing a lot from Peter's uh, to again address the uh, issue going on in the church he was writing to. And that leads us to the question, uh, why was this little book, this short letter, written? And let me just say this. You know, when the Bible, when you read the Bible, it's unlike any other book that, that exists because the Bible is alive, right? The, the Bible says, or the, the Bible uh, is that it's living and active. And so I want to encourage you, when you read the Bible, it's, you know, God's word, it's really like you can have this conversation with God as you read it. And it's really good to ask questions as you read. So, you know, who wrote it? Or, you know, as you're reading, who was who he uh, writing this letter to? <clears throat> as you're going through it, you know, ask, are there certain themes, certain words that just keep coming up, that keep popping up as you go through it? And uh, is there a promise to claim? Is there a, uh, you know, an example to follow? Or in the case of Jude, is there a warning to heed? And what we're going to see in this little book uh, uh, is that this is, 
a very short but very intense book. And what I mean is the, the warning in this book, it's the difference between if you're, you know, if a, if a child is gonna knock their cup over at the table and spill their milk, it's like, whoa, 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 careful, honey, right? It's the difference between that and a child's gonna step out in front of a car. Stop! Like it's this, this intense urgency in this warning. Uh, and, and the theme of Jude is this. If you're gonna melt it down, really the, the key uh, heart of this, this letter is church, we need to contend for the faith. Church, we need to contend for, we need to fight for the faith because our faith is under attack. And when I say faith, what I mean is, I mean the truth of, uh, of who God is, the story that we see in the Bible of you know, God's rescue mission, the, the cross and Jesus going to the cross, his resurrection, the truth about uh, God's love for humanity and his desire, his plans for every human being. Uh, that, that's what I mean when I say faith. And so Judah's saying, hey, you guys, uh, the faith is under attack and we need to contend for it. We need to fight for it. And when you hear that phrase, you know, uh, that our faith is under attack, I wonder if for some of us, our minds go to different places. Maybe your mind goes to uh, uh, like different people groups. Like when I say our faith is under attack, maybe you think, yeah, our faith's under attack and you know who it is? It's the Muslims. They're attacking our faith. We need to contend against the Muslims. Or you hear, oh, our, our faith is under attack. Well, it's that, you know, it's that liberal Hollywood, you know, gay agenda. That's what we need. That's who's attacking our faith, and we need to fight against them. Or you might say, it's the, it's the Democrats. Or you may say, oh, no, no, it's the Republicans. Or you may say, it's Ross Perot, or whatever you would say. I, <laughs> but Jude isn't, in this letter, Jude isn't saying, he's not warning us about those people. He's not warning us about uh, those issues. Really, in, when he says to contend for the faith, he's not talking about winning arguments. What, what Jude is getting at, his, real, his, his concern is in the, in the midst of the attack, his question is how are the people of God responding in that attack? Because really, what, you know, our, our response is, is how we are contending. It's how we're fighting. It's how we're responding to it. So are we standing strong? Are we leaning into the current of this attack? Are we, you know, are we holding firm to the truth of the gospel? Or are we stumbling? Are we caught up in the current and being dragged along? Are we being misled? Are we being deceived? Are we losing uh, grip on the truth? And so in this short uh, but very urgent letter that Jude has written, it's less about finger pointing and it's more about heart searching. And as I've been praying this week, sort of the, the picture I've had as I was prepping was that in this little mini-series, this little two-part series, that for some, many, hopefully uh, all, this little series will be like your annual checkup when you go to the doctor. And, and so, you know, I, I, would, I would encourage you to, you know, as we're going through this talk today and next week with Vicki, to expect God to come close and just, you know, like a shepherd, checking his little lamb over, to check you over and just to see, you know, just where you at, what's going on, what's, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your mind in the midst of this attack on our faith. And this will make more sense as we get into it. But let's start there. Uh, we're first gonna pray and then we will uh, we'll jump into to Jude. Let's pray. So Lord, thank you for uh, another day to gather, another weekend. And uh, I'm so grateful for everyone that's here. I'm so grateful that you are here and my confidence is in you, God, just to come close. I, 
I thank you for this letter. It's a challenging letter. It is a very intense one. Uh, And I pray today that uh, way beyond what I say, that Holy Spirit, you'd be just moving in this room. You know us, Lord. And I pray that it would be like like an annual checkup where our loving Father just sits down with us and, and, and just talks through where we're at and all that's going on in our lives. So we, we welcome you here and ask that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, so again, Jude is the book just before Revelation. Uh, and it's one chapter. So, so we just go to verses. So we're gonna start with uh, Jude verses one to four. And this is how he introduces his letter. Here's what he says. <clears throat> Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. So, uh, typical of a a first uh, century letter, uh, uh, it's kicked off with with the writer identifying himself and, you know, in in sort of getting to know Jude, we don't don't know a lot about Jude, but what we do know about him is, is very significant. Jude identifies himself as, one, as a servant of Jesus, and two, as a brother of James. And just in identifying himself that way, I find this guy very intriguing. And here's what I mean. The James that he's talking about is uh, a first century man named, who was known as James the Just. And uh, he wrote the book of James in the New Testament. I think it's like three or four books to the left uh, from Jude. Uh, and he was also one of the key leaders of the Christian community in Jerusalem, Acts 15, if you want to look that up later. Uh, but James was also one of the younger brothers of Jesus. And I guess more accurately, one of the half-brothers of, of Jesus. And because Jude says, hey, James is my brother, that would mean then that Jude is also a half-brother of Jesus. And Jesus had uh, four brothers. And what I like about Jude, just right off the top in this letter, is, is just the humility that comes through. For him to say, you know, not only does he not name drop, right? If, if I was writing this letter, I would say, hey, it's Michael, brother of the Messiah. Please buy my book. You know what I mean? I would totally, I mean, I would use it to my advantage, but he doesn't. In fact, he not only doesn't name drop, but when he refers to Jesus, he refers to, he, he calls himself. I mean, imagine this. If you have older brothers, he refers to himself as I am a servant of Jesus. And what's interesting is the, word, the Greek word that's used for servant, it's, and what Jude is saying is, I'm a bond servant of Jesus, meaning I am a servant by choice. I've, I've made a choice in my life to live the rest of my life serving Jesus. And, and that is really significant to me because if you look, like we don't, if you look in the New Testament, you don't see lots written about uh, Jesus' brothers, but there's one little verse in John 7 where uh, it says about his brothers, it basically says, and his brothers didn't believe in him. They totally rejected their older brother. 
and his claims to be the, to be the son of God. And I have three older brothers and I'm like, well, I sort, I sort of get that. In the sense, like my oldest brother, his name is Glenn, and as much as he would like to convince us that his existence came, came about through an immaculate conception, uh, uh, he, if you knew him, you'd be like, yeah. He, but as, as, you know, as much, and he's a great guy, but what would it take for me to believe that he was the son of God? And when we look at Jude and, and, his, and his brothers and their rejection of Jesus, it's like, just think of the story. I mean, here's Jesus and all that he's doing. And then the brothers watch, the younger brothers watch their older brother murdered on a cross. I mean, man, I'd love to get more into the story and just from their perspective. And they, they watch this. And then they, you know, and I know I'm reading into the, to the story a bit, but I'm sure they would have seen where they laid Jesus' body in the tomb. I mean, if, they won't just walk away from their brother. And, and then they also, after he resurrected, I'm sure all his brothers had a face-to-face with big bro Jesus. And what the Bible does teach is that all of Jesus' brothers, after the resurrection, not only believed in him, but they, they all became bond servants. I mean, James, if you're familiar with this, the start of the book of James, he starts his letter the same way. But they all became, they all went into the ministry, if you will, in following Jesus. And, and that's important because that tone that Jude kicks off this letter with is one of the, that, that tone of humility, it's one of the primary ways that we contend for the faith. This attack on our faith is one of the primary ways that we, we fight back. And, and what I mean is it's, it's in the daily choosing, when followers of God daily choose the posture of a servant to him, that's one of the ways we fight back. It's, you know, the power, the fight against the attack, it's in the choosing. It's as we live our lives, and, you know, in this situation now, am I gonna contend for the faith or am I not gonna contend for the faith? And what I mean is, in this situation, am I gonna choose what God tells me to do or am I gonna choose what I wanna do? So number one in your notes, simply put, is, is self-centered versus God-centered. Self-centered versus God-centered. And so after the intro, <clears throat> Jude introduces us to, uh, to what or who uh, they're contending against. And it's obvious that these people, these ungodly people, that they are totally choosing, as we get into the story more, they're totally choosing their ways over God's. And we don't know who these people are. Like he didn't, you know, didn't give us any names. It just says certain people. And uh, uh, obviously, they were people of influence, but, but it says that these certain, uh, certain individuals have secretly slipped in among you. And another translation says that these certain individuals have wormed their way into your community, into your, your church community. And that, that tells me that, that this attack on our faith that, that Jude is warning us about, uh, that it's not an obvious attack. That it's a, it's a stealth attack that's going on. And, and the heart of this attack is, is that certain people who are choosing to live uh, self-centered lives instead of God-centered lives, the, the heart of the attack is that they are now promoting that same lifestyle within the church that Jude is writing to. And, you know, when I, when I sort of look at the picture of this, of, you know, here's this church community and these false teachers are coming in and they're, they're you know, twisting the gospel and stirring things up. I, you know, I, I, as I thought that through, I was like, okay, now remember when Jude was writing his letter, he was writing to a people, writing in the first century to a culture that was an oral culture, meaning they weren't all sitting there with Bibles and they didn't have iPhones loaded up with commentaries and Bible dictionaries. They didn't, like, we, we are 
filled with resources. Right? In, in first century, how was the message communicated? It was oral. It was, it was, it was word of mouth. And so in, in, days, in, in Jude's day, uh, uh, there, there would have been lots of traveling, itinerant teachers going around talking. We see this all through Paul's letters, and most of them would go from church to church with the intent of going into these little Christian communities and going in and encouraging the people, building them up in their faith, reminding them of the truth of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and all these things. But some of these traveling teachers, like in Jude, were false teachers. And they were traveling around, twisting the truth, causing trouble, you know, causing confusion. And, and just you know, picturing that, it got me thinking, like we live at a very different time. Uh, and so how does this picture, this, what Jude is talking about, how does it apply to us? Because like, yeah, in our day, you know, we still have itinerant preachers. There's lots of people traveling around preaching. But the thought that right now in our church, in VCDC, in this community, that there are people coming in and, and you know, false teachers are coming into our church and twisting the truth. Like, and see if this makes sense. It, I look at that and I go, that just seems far-fetched to me. Right? So, so what I mean is like the thought that in, we, we have a whole bunch of small groups. The thought that in one of our small groups, the leader is getting up and saying, hey, we need to deny Christ. And let me, let me give you a list of ways to live in a moral life. Like if, like if, and I know that's a blatant example, but if somebody, if you're a small group leader did that, here's what I know about you, because I know most of you. You, just, you wouldn't put up with that. I mean, they would be exposed and stopped right away. I mean, it's one of the things I love about this church is that there is a strong knowledge of the truth and there's a sensitivity uh, to the Holy Spirit. I mean, if I started saying something that was, was not biblical, like I'm looking out, like I, Dan, you would, you would stand up and say, wait a minute, that's wrong. I mean, you wouldn't let it carry on. And so I'm looking at this and going, what Jude was, was, was writing into, and I'm like, okay, if Jude were writing this letter today, does that make sense what I'm saying though? Okay, good. I, I nodded head every now. It's really helpful. I could just do that. Okay, if Jude were writing this letter today, what would he warn us about? If he was writing this letter today, what would he call us to fight against in, in the context of our faith being under attack? What would he call us to contend against? And, you know, I, I think it's so cool that we just came off this Invisible War series. Remember the, uh, the series we did on the, on the spiritual battle that we're in and that we have a very real enemy who is working to destroy to you know to deceive and on and on and and but we also learned that it like that it's a very uh it's not an obvious attack this this spiritual warfare it's not an it's a very subtle one and so with that context i think what jude would warn us about today is the way that our that the the culture we live in is secretly slipping in to our hearts in our minds. I think that's what he would write about. He would, he would address uh, the westernization of our faith and how the, you know, the enemy is, is again, in, in stealth mode, he's working through the culture to erode, to twist the truth, to undermine the plans God has for humanity. And again, it's subtle, but, it, and, and, and it's, uh, but it's steady, and it's very purposeful. So here, what I mean is, so as God's people, just like in the letter to Jude, they weren't aware that this was going on, 
right? Because they were secretly slipping into your community. I think we're the same. We're not aware of, of this, this, our culture slipping into our hearts and minds. We don't realize the changes going on in our minds, the changes going on in our hearts. We don't realize how over time our comforts have become so important to us. We don't realize how over time us increasingly getting our way, that doesn't sound selfish because we deserve it. We don't realize over time uh, getting more and more comfortable with compromise in our lives, it, that that's slipping in. Because I mean, after all, well, what does that text really mean? Right, there's this, it's, it's like, so when we read in the Bible, Jesus says that his followers are to deny themselves. Because of this attack on our faith, it increasingly, that call to deny ourselves, it increasingly falls on deaf ears because it doesn't go against, because it goes against the grain of our culture. Because it goes against the grain of this, of this, this thing that's secretly slipping into our hearts and our minds. And it's, it's the watering down of the gospel. And Jude is like, that's what I'm talking about. Like church, that's serious. That's what we need to be aware of. That's what we need to contend against because that is attacking our faith. We need to fight back against that. And, and as Jude carries on, he, he then goes into a, a list of examples. And, and really what he does, is it's a, it's a long list, and we're gonna go through it like sort of uh, bullet form here. But, it's, but what he, he gets at is, let me give you a list of, of people who lived uh, uh, these ungodly people and the lives they live, the self-centered lives they live. Let me give you examples of, of what that looks like, choosing that kind of a life, and uh, what it leads to. So Jude 5 verse 11 goes, uh, or Jude verse 5 to 11 says this. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies reject authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Now, okay. Now, just reading those, was that six verses? I can understand why in almost every commentary I read this week, it said that Jude is the most neglected book in the New Testament. Because even reading that, I read that and I go, uh, what? <laughs> what are you saying? What does that mean? Right, it's, it's like, it's confusing. And, and really, I think that this, this isn't so much a letter from Jude. I think this is more like it's, it's a text from Jude. And he was texting this while he was driving his donkey in very heavy traffic. And I, and I say that's in jest, but I also, what I'm, where I'm going with that is when I read Jude, I feel like I'm coming into a text, like a, you know, like a group text, 
where I don't know all the conversations that have gone on before. Like, it's like, I've, I just feel like, hey, there's, there's more to this little letter than, than what, what we're seeing. And I think that's why it's like, it, it, can, be, it can be confusing. I know, uh, I think I read at least seven commentaries this week. And, and it actually uh, well, was very encouraging to me to read all these really, you know, these real smart people that just, they just sit in libraries and drink coffee and study. And then they write down their thoughts. But I, it was so encouraging to read what they said and to, and to have almost across the board, them taking it all different ways. Well, I think Jude means this, and I think this is that, and I think this is that. And I'm like, hey, that's so encouraging to know that, that for most of us, we're like, we're not really sure what everything in Jude means. But here's what stood out to me, and, and, and uh, it really was the common thought uh, through all these commentaries, was that in what I just read, that what Jude was saying is he was giving us examples of the attitudes and the activities of these ungodly people. And in giving these examples, he's warning them, them, the the people he's writing to, and he's warning us to be careful not to get caught up in the same attitudes and activities because they lead to destruction. That's why this is an intense letter because it's a life uh, life or death letter. So number two in your notes is the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And, and uh, you know, that's a verse you're probably familiar with. Romans 6, 23 says this. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and, I, and I point to that verse because, because it, it just, it spells out very simply that in a, in a, a life, uh, a, a person choosing, choosing to say no to God Choosing to say no to his plan, to his ways, to his commands, the Bible teaches that that, uh, that life is on a trajectory to death. It's serious, right? And, and, uh, uh, and it's not just pointing to, like, to hell, to eternal death. It's saying between now and, and the end of a person's life, choosing that kind of life, choosing to say no to God and to his ways, that it's a type of death even before you physically die, meaning you miss out on all the life of God, you miss out on the gift of God, and 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 so in writing this, Jude is like he's driving home to his to this to this young church and these people he's writing to. Hey, in this battle, our choices are so important. Our choices have consequences, and you know I remember when uh, we have two sons. They're men now in their twenties, and but I remember when they're little boys. Uh, when we would talk about making choices in life, we'd talk about uh, wise decisions. I used to have this word picture I would always say to them now that they're older they you know they'll sort of tease me with it because they've heard it so many times but uh, I thought it was very helpful then and uh, and what I would say to them in, in making choices in life I would say okay you guys imagine that you're imagine that you're walking on a mountain trail and on this side of the trail the mountain face you know uh, goes shooting way up and on this side of the trail the, there's a cliff that shoots way down Right? Simple picture. And I'd say, sons, where's the safest place to walk on that trail? And they would be like, oh, you know, you got to be hugging. You need to hug the mountain. You got to stay close to the mountain. And that's really, in, in all these uh, warnings that Jude is saying, that's what he's saying to us. He's saying, let me, these are examples. This list that I just read through, these are examples of people who have chosen in life to walk the cliff's edge. And he's saying, you know, in, in that choice, the danger is it's just a matter of time until you tumble off, off the edge of that cliff. And so, you know, he, it, to drive this home, 
In verse five, he starts off, you know, I know you already know this, uh, but I want to remind you, I want to remind you guys that when we're talking about choices, when we're talking about choices in relationship to God, that like, it's not a game. This, it's not a game. It's, he doesn't see it as a game. This is, it's serious, the choices that we make. And so he, he uses three examples. He says, you know, you remember God's own people, the Israelites, referring back to Egypt and, you know, the, the Exodus. He says, remember when God's own people, when they chose, when some of them chose to rebel against him, did he just let it go? Ah, I love these guys. I'm gonna let it go. No, Jude's saying, remember, he punished them. He punished them. When angels, these angelic, amazing beings that God created, when they, when some of them chose to rebel against God, did he, did he just turn a blind eye to it? No, he punished them. And when the, you know, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, minus Lot and his family, when, when they chose to rebel against God, did God go, ah, you know, like, he, like he, he, didn't, he didn't let it go, did he? Jude's saying, remember that he, he punished those people. And what he's reminding uh, the, the people who are getting this letter, he's reminding them that God is love, but God is also just. And if, and if people choose to rebel against the ways of God, he's saying, remember, he will punish them. And so then he goes on in verse eight to say, now in the same way, these people are doing the same things, these ungodly people. And then he goes into uh, a list of what they are doing. And again, it's, it's a list of examples that shows you know, walking the, what, what walking the cliff's edge looks like and what it potentially leads to. And so I'm just gonna, again, go through these. From uh, verses eight to 11, it said that you know, these ungodly people, they pollute their own bodies. And what that means is these guys are so out of control that you know, their, their choices are hurting them, but they still won't stop. Uh, they reject authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. And that's pointing to that there's an arrogance and an unwillingness in their hearts to submit to any authority. Uh, they slander what they don't understand. It just reveals like a lazy and arrogant ignorance. They have taken the way of Cain. And I'm not gonna go into each one of these, but if you wanna look them up later, uh, the, uh, the story of Cain is Genesis 4, verses 2 to 8, right? Genesis 4, 2 to 8 for our note takers. Uh, they have taken the way of Cain. And what, what Jude is pointing out is that in, in the case of Cain, jealousy and stubbornness caused him to fall over the cliff. And then he goes on to, uh, the, uh, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. And that's Numbers 22 in, in, in the following chapters, a few chapters. And what caused Balaam's downfall was his choice, his desire for wealth over obedience to God. That caused him to fall off the cliff. Uh, they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. That's in Numbers 16. And what caused Korah's downfall was his unwillingness to submit to God's authority. That caused him to fall over the cliff. And not just him but a bunch of other people, including his own family. In fact, they were, if you're familiar with the story, they were swallowed up by the, by the earth. And, and so uh, in writing this, or in even going through this list, you may be sitting there going, this is a little intense. Uh, could you tell a joke or two maybe and lighten it up? And, and, and remember, I, this book is an intense little book because Jude is looking at a group of people who are in danger of losing their way. They're in danger of being so deceived 
that they, that they lose that anchor, that, that, you know, the, that hold with the, or, or that grip on the truth. And, and so he's warning them. He's warning them. And, 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 and really, here's, here's where I think it's helpful for us to get a, a, a handle on this warning and to see how it relates to us today. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. <clears throat> it says, the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And what Jude is saying to them and what he's saying to us is, hey, church, we need to contend for the faith. We need to fight because the same attitudes and desires that we see played out in these examples, right, in the the greed, the arrogance, the rejecting of authority, the perversion, the stubbornness, the laziness, on and on, the the same attitudes and desires that we see played out in, in these examples are in our hearts too. That's why this, this needs to be and sort of an in-your-face warning because we have the same struggle in our own hearts and those attitudes and desires, they're looking for an opportunity to act out. Does that make sense? So it's, it's serious. It's serious. And I, you know, this really came to light to me. I, I remember meeting with someone and they said, they asked me a question, pastor, Pastor, I got a question for you. And that's when I sort of want to have my, my church lawyer on speed dial. But I have a question for you. And they said to me, hey, uh, so when they legalize marijuana, not if, but when, when they legalize marijuana, will it be wrong for me to smoke it? That was, that was this person's question. Because it's not illegal anymore. And uh, the culture says it's Okay. So would it be wrong for me to, to smoke that? And, you know, and really, you have to get to the heart. What, what's the heart of what this person was asking? I think part of what they're, what they're saying is, hey, how close to the edge can I get and still be safe? Or how close to the edge can I get and still be a Christian? See, that's, that's, the, that's that deceitful heart that, that I think Jude in the midst of this contending for faith, that's the thing he's warning us about, right? So it's, it's sort of like, you know, like, come on, like, when is stealing stealing? Like, they won't notice that it's gone. It's a big company. You know, it's like, they won't, they won't notice. Like, when is, when is cheating cheating? Like, when are you really cheating on your taxes or, or cheating a customer or cheating on your spouse? Like, when, I mean... When is sex sex? Come on, like when have you actually crossed the line? Do you have to do this? Or is it that? Or is it like, like or you know, like you could just, you could go on and on. And these questions, this sort of this looking for loopholes, that's the deceitful heart that we all, that, 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 that's speaking. That's, those are questions that a deceitful heart asks. And, and here's where I'm going with this. Signs that our faith is under attack is when the people of God are asking those kinds of questions. Whether it's out loud, hey pastor, or it's, it's in your own heart. Uh, there's signs of the attacks when the people of God are taking their cues from the culture and not from the word of God. And Jude, in writing that letter to them and to us, is saying, that's what we need to fight against. That's, what, that's why we need checkups. That's why we need annual checkups to see, you know, to look us over and to see where those things have secretly slipped in your heart those attitudes, those, those activities to check us over because, you know, like I said in the intro, Jude's letter is less about finger pointing 
and more about heart searching. When we contend for the faith, it's not those people, it's not those issues, it's this heart. It's what's going on in here. That's the thing that I need to be aware of. That's the thing that we need to, to uh, contend against. So as I wrap up today, uh, next week, Vicky's gonna be looking more at you know, how we contend for the faith. But what I wanna end off with, whoa, what I wanna end off with today is why it's important that we uh, contend for the faith. So quickly, Jude 12 says this, verse 12. <clears throat> these people, these ungodly people, are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. And why I'm ending with that verse is because that list of examples that Jude has written, uh, that is the exact opposite of what God has called us to be as his followers. And so number three, quickly in your notes, is salt and light. And in Matthew 5, Jesus refers to his followers. If you're familiar with that passage, he said, hey, hey, followers, you guys are, you, you know, you're salt and you're light. And, and for us, you know, uh, you know, that may not make total sense to us, but I think to a first century audience with, you know, uh, uh, hearing that, they would go, I think I get what you're saying, Jesus. Because they lived at a time, obviously, where long before electricity and all the comforts we have now. And I think they would understand, you know, in a, in a culture where you didn't have freezers, they would understand salt. Well, how do we preserve meat? What would they do? They would, they would wrap it or they'd cover it in salt. Or, or, you know, how do we, because we don't have street lights, so how are we, how are we safe when we go out into the darkness? How, do we, how are we safe? Well, you carry a light. You have a light to lead the way. So what Jesus was saying to them and to us, that, that uh, our job description in this world is to preserve the truth and to light the way out of darkness for others. And why I ended with Jude 12 is that that, again, that passage, it shows examples of people, shepherds, and of things in nature, rain clouds and fruit trees that should benefit others. And what I mean is this, that God's desire for us as his people and why it is so important for us to contend for the faith, why it is so important for you and I to be aware of the choices that we're making, is that you know, God's desire is that you and I would be so filled with his presence, that you and I would be so filled up with his love, his wisdom, and on and on and on, that when people in our day-to-day -day lives, when they interact with us, when someone at work talks with you and just sort of rubs up against you, that, that really, it would be like for that person that they would feel like a little lamb that just got fed by their shepherd, right? Or they would feel like, you know, when that person, you interact with someone, that they would feel like a dry field that just got rained on. Or that a person who is hungry, a person who's weary, when they talk with you or interact with you, that they would feel like they've just been fed a beautiful, crisp, apple and they've just stood in the shelter from the heat of the day under the the branches of, of of you of this tree and and so why is this important for us to contend for the faith to turn against the, the current of the culture and choosing to be servants of God on why is that important because God's plan is that the people of God are the examples of God to the world like 
we're signposts. When you get up tomorrow, what they say, when you get up tomorrow, Monday, whoa, and go to work. Like, think about that. I'm a signpost. When I go into the office, when you go to school, whatever it is you're going to be doing, that you're a signpost. And just think about your life. If you were a sign, what kind of sign would you be when people look at you? Right? And, and I had a guy come to me last night after the talk, and he said, you know what? When you said that, I, I, I asked myself that question. And he said, I, I, he said, and what came to his mind was, am I a U-turn sign or am I an on-ramp sign? And I just thought that was cool. Like, am I a sign that says, this is the way? This is the way to life. Or, or, or you, I mean, you could probably do a whole, you could write a book probably on that, on signposts. But it's important for us to be aware of that. Matthew 5, 13, Jesus says this to us. Hey, church, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And you know, uh, I don't know if this is a heavy talk, but I feel like there's a real invitation from God in this talk just to say to us, do you realize if he was, you know, if I could speak on his behalf, do you realize, followers of Jesus, that when you just set out each day, God, you know, help me to choose your way today in the way I talk, in what I say, in just in everything I do. Do you realize that as, as, as his followers, when we do that, what the Bible teaches is that when we do that, just that simple, well, simple, but I guess hard to walk out choice, when we do that, his promises is that we're gonna be like a bright light and that somehow we're gonna shine the light of Jesus and people are gonna look at you and they're gonna be attracted to that in you and that people are gonna come to know Jesus because of that choice that you made. Why don't we stand up? All right. So here's, uh, <clears throat> here's how we're gonna end off. Let's just, we got a nice chunk of time. Let's just quiet ourselves. And uh, I'm just gonna invite the Holy Spirit. You know, and if it helps you, I know it helps me to open my hands because it's, it's like the posture I'm taking, it's, it's, it's like a physical posture to say, hey, I'm open to you, God, whatever you, whatever you wanna do right now. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now. that you would, uh, I just see him leaning into each one of us right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome what you are doing. And I think for some of you right now, you feel a weight. There's a weight on your, you know, maybe it's on your hands, there's a weight on your body. And that's the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we welcome uh, what you are doing right now in the room. Just come be personal with each one here. Just come, Lord. We are your people. And you know, 
Lord, I just think of that scripture. You, you know how we're formed. You remember that we're dust. That the life of a mortal is, is like grass. Or that, that we're, you know, we're like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. Or just the frailty of humanity. Because you love us, I just, I, we welcome uh, we welcome you into all the areas of our lives. Search us, search us, O oh God. Know our hearts, know our minds. Just come, Lord. Thank you for uh, your promise to equip us for what you've called us to do. Thank you for the promise in Acts where you say that you're gonna send your spirit to empower us to be really salty, to empower us to be really bright lights. I thank you for that promise. So here's how we're gonna end off. Uh, You know, one of the things I'm trying to grow in is, is, uh, is in hearing the Lord's voice. You know, uh, and, and, and just so even now as we're just sitting in there quiet, like if you could re- have read my thoughts, it would be like, please say something. You know, that would be what was going through my mind. Please nudge, you know. But uh, the picture that I had is uh, for some people today, you're walking the cliff's edge. And, uh, and, and it's like God has a warning for you. And, and, it was, and there just was this intensity to it. And, 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 this, and I'll just say the way it was. In my mind, I saw you were there and you got a call saying your house is on fire. And how, how quickly you would respond to that call, right? You would just bolt out of here. And, right? and I felt like the Lord said, it's that serious. Does that make sense? It's that serious. The edge that you're walking, it's that serious. That unless there's a change of course, uh, it's leading to destruction. And so just put your hand up now if that's you. No, I'm joking. Don't, but I want to, and I realize that's a hard thing. But, uh, but I want to encourage you. We're going to call a few other groups forward. But if that's you, God is holding his hand out saying, son, daughter, come here. It's, a, it's that papa love. Come here, sweetie. Come away from the danger. Come, you know, come off the street. Come away from the cliff's edge. And so, and I know that'd be a, a tough one, but I, th- I just, I challenge you that that's, it's super important. So uh, if that's you, I'm gonna call you up in a sec just to get prayer. I felt like <clears throat> for some, you know, that you need to be f- refreshed with the Holy Spirit. Because when, in, in, when, as you're hearing my talk, you're, <clears throat> it was like I was dropping five or 10 pound weights on your shoulder saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. And that's not the heart of this talk, right? The heart of this talk is, you know, God wants to do a work in you to make you salt and make you light. And if, and if you're just weary, if you're weary, if you felt wearied by what I said, we want to pray for you because the Holy Spirit wants to just refresh you inside. I also had a sense that um, um, for some, 
that I just saw the Lord putting tools in people's hands. And, and to me, that's an equipping. That's, you know, it's like, well, I'm not sure what that means, but it's, but it's, it's gifting for what he's called you to do. Uh, and then finally, we always love to pray. If you have any pain in your body, physical, emotional pain, we love to pray for you because the good shepherd the, uh, loves to comfort and come close to his sheep. So uh, Sarah's gonna lead us in a song. As she does, come on up and, and get prayer. Let's just make sure everyone who comes up has someone praying for it. But come on up, and uh, then I'll come on back in a bit and end off the service.
you for the privilege to be your signposts in this world. And I pray that you would teach us more about just what that means and what that looks like. Uh, just make us a people that are aware. Make us a people that are aware of the choices we're making. And, uh, I pray that the, the warning of this letter, the intensity of Jude, that that would wherever it's needed, wherever course correction is needed in our lives, I just pray that this little book would be the thing to nudge us in that direction. Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you're for us, and your desire is to fill us up with your love so that we can love others. So I just bless everyone here, bless every family represented. I pray that as we get back to our routines that you would... Uh, just keep reminding us of your presence, reminding us of your, how you feel about us and what your plans are for us. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're still getting prayer, uh, feel free to continue. Uh, some sign-ups in the lobby. Make sure to check those out. On your way out, grab a six-pack, a uh, little pack of six invite cards, and uh, pray about someone to invite to church next weekend. So bless you guys. We'll see you next week.